Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Slava, and I'm joined by Justin. Hey, everyone. So this week's episode, we have a very special guest who's here to dive deep into the technology side of rehab and the use of virtual reality and physiotherapy. He is Alex Theodoro. Alex is a cognitive science researcher with a master's in neuroscience and linguistics, and he's also one of the founders of OcuTherapy. So OcuTherapy is a virtual reality guided rehabilitation company that focuses on brain injury rehab through interactive therapeutic tasks done with uh, VR devices and software. So Alex has a lot of experience working with the health professionals like physiotherapists who have worked with this technology in their practice. We're very excited to hear Alex speak on this technology and its impact on our profession. All right, it's time to get down to business. So Alex, uh, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm great. How's it going over there? Uh, it's, uh, it's great to be part of the uh of the PTBC podcast today. Thank you so much. To kick things off, we have our first question. Um, if you could elaborate about your journey up to the point of getting involved with the virtual reality. Yeah, for sure. So it's, uh, it's, it's a kind of an interesting story, but essentially the way it kind of unfolded was that I had started to do my undergraduate in, uh, in psychology and linguistics, so I was really interested in understanding the way that, you know, the mind interacts with, with our language capabilities and, you know, any sort of deviations from that, you know, whether it be through stroke, concussion, and so forth. So I started to explore this uh, after my undergraduate in uh, rehabilitation setting, uh, working as a rehabilitation therapist and, and uh, really working with the clinical care team, like the OTs and the PTs and so forth. And, and I really saw a lot of issues that were taking place in, in terms of, you know, the recovery, the process, the, the way the person felt in, this exp- in their experience towards recovery, in their journey towards recovery. And so I worked there for a little while, and so I, I kind of took all of that, that you know, knowledge, that experience, and I turned it into a master's degree. So I was fortunate to be able to look at just that, which was the mechanisms of recovery following a brain injury. And so it was, it was interesting. It was great, but it still had a lot. It still really there were more questions than answers at the end of it. So I mean, naturally, of course, you know, you think, oh well, maybe I'll go for a PhD. And, Instead, what it actually happened is that I, the unfortunate reality was that um, as I was doing this research, um, I was also living with the challenges, having to be a care, uh, uh, provide care for my father who also had a stroke. So not only was I seeing, you know, the, you know, the elements of recovery and the challenges faced with, with stroke uh, recovery from a, from a research side, but I was also seeing it from, you know, a personal side. So it was an interesting and challenging uh, situation to be in, but I think that it really helped me to develop what is now OcuTherapy. And so that's essentially how I how this turned into OcuTherapy. And so I, without really anything 
without really anything uh, at the time in like 2014, I basically just proposed this crazy idea at this pitch competition and made it as a finalist. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe maybe there's something here. And so here we are, flash forward a couple years later, and it's uh, here I am talking to you. So it's 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 exciting. It's 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 evolved, but yeah. it's uh, it's it's definitely something that's come from a personal place. Yeah, Alex, it was great actually for us to get connected through my friend Cheryl, who you met at an event. Shout out to Cheryl for the connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for our listeners who may not know what virtual reality is, can you describe this new technology and its basic principles? Yeah, absolutely. So, so virtual reality is really exactly what you think it is. It's you're taking a a computer simulated environment that could that could really generate any situation, whether it be outdoors, indoors, uh, something, you know that your only your wildest imagination can dream of and you're essentially interacting with it as if it was real and you're doing this by way of sensors that are attached to the hands that through controllers are the most modern the most conventional way that you interact with this virtual environment and now they've uh, opened this up to a whole other different types of sensors sensors that uh you know monitor you know skin response that monitor heart rate that monitor you know even eeg activity now so and and eye tracking so really it's it's starting with just you know interacting with a virtual simulated environment and now it's opened up to full-on immersion that is bringing in all of the proprioceptive and kind of the sensory and perceptual cues you're just bringing them all in and you're really trying to create that experience that emulates reality uh, and that's really what virtual reality is. Awesome. Thank you for the definition, and it's fairly clear uh, what virtual reality is. On our previous podcast, we've asked some of our guests um, what they would predict where physiotherapy is heading in the future, and a lot of them cited that uh, physiotherapy will take on more technological advances in the rehabilitation sphere. And uh, your company, OcuTherapy, using virtual reality and rehab really goes right along that uh, path mm-hmm. to take advantage of the and implement technology in rehab. So can you explain to us um, about your company, OcuTherapy, and what you're trying to achieve using virtual reality and rehab? Yeah, for sure. So, so it's really just we're basically a virtual reality rehabilitation platform for people living with the challenges of uh, acquired brain injury. So we're looking at things that have uh, organic origins, uh, uh, like something like a stroke. Um, and then we can go along the spectrum towards things that are more external, um, like uh, motor vehicle accidents, falls, and so forth. And really what we're trying to do is connect the dots in their continuum of care. So that's as simple as that. And the way we do that is we're using uh, virtual reality as a tool to tap into each person's unique strengths and weaknesses and create personalized plans, treatment plans just for them. So focusing on areas that are, you know, that affect them because we realize that everyone's injuries are different. Although they are diagnosed similarly, there is a different outcomes, there is a different uh, prognosis, and there's uh, everybody experiences them differently. So even just their, 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 the window of recovery time. So really what we're trying to do is really understand what makes the person unique and how can we best deliver services through VR that address you know, cognitive and physical limitations 
um, with the support of someone like a physiotherapist. So this is not meant to be something that will overshadow a physiotherapist because there's no there's really no replacement for a person in these fields. But at the same time, we recognize that, you know, like I've worked with research, I've worked with the PTs, I've worked with OTs, I've spoke with them extensively. And I know that you guys are spread out thinly and, and it can be quite challenging and it can be taxing mentally, physically, and financially. So we really want to help address those concerns in a way that makes it streamlined. So the, you know, the, 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 the outcomes of the person in OcuTherapy are then uh, relayed using uh, like a dashboard and this dashboard helps the person know what's going on and then they can, uh, they can provide other people in their continuum of care, uh, you know, access to their progress so that the clinician can then see what areas are, uh, what areas are still um, requiring more support and what areas, you know, maybe they've made more strides in. So really that's what OcuTherapy is in a nutshell. And so, so we're really trying to create this comprehensive suite of assessments, interventions, and just, you know, and just enhancements of their quality of life because that's, that's the most important thing, right? And, and making it engaging because if you're not engaged, you don't adhere to these, you know, these therapists, these therapy, these, uh, you know, different exercises. And then, you know, they drop off and then, so it's, it's, it's challenging for, you know, for the the clinician side. And it's, it's challenging for the person who really doesn't know what to expect with something like this type of traumatic event. Yeah. So Alex, it seems that what you're trying to do with OcuTherapy is really connect the dots in care specifically with the neurological population and really provide personalized care to address the unique challenges and weaknesses that these patients or these clients might face. But what we really want to know more is about the benefits of using virtual reality in rehab and in kind of physiotherapy practice. Could you elaborate more on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the so the thing with that is that with physiotherapists, you know, it, it's great. It's a great profession. Uh, that there's a lot of you know good that they're doing. And however, um, you know, they're limited by their resources. They're limited by their time, and they're limited about how functional these tasks can be so really what we're trying to do is um, tap into you know functional real world tasks and monitor them for things that you would normally not see so things like you know their accuracy or their ability to move or you know the any sort of tremors that might be happening or um, just you know monitoring their you know ability to visually connect their hand movements. So like this, you know, like I said, this proprioceptive cues. So there's a lot more less salient features that I think that we're finding actually, I should say, that are, you know, important for a person understanding these um, type of micro recoveries, right? You know, so, um, and how this, how this essentially would help the physiotherapist. Uh, so, so just to clarify, so your, your question was to, to ask how this is going to help a physiotherapist, correct? Yes. Okay. So, so really, as I mentioned before, is just, you know, we're the way it's helping is by really targeting these types of concerns. So, um, again, it differs by population. It differs by, uh, the amount of, 
people who uh, a physiotherapist would be seeing. So the way we're kind of setting it up is that, you know, we've got a certain amount of, uh, of, of space, like kind of a cloud space. And I guess that kind of, uh, may, we might touch, touch on this topic after, but um, you know, just it, the way it works is that, you know, we're able to basically manage the person's information in a more clear and concise way that represents their you know progress in a in, in a in a much more engaging way um and something that offers feedback because although although people who are doing physio they might say oh you know i i feel a little bit better i you know i'm seeing this i'm seeing that they might not see changes right away and if they do um, it's usually the more obvious ones. So if a person has like a foot drop, for example, right, then, okay, yeah, they'll notice if they have some sort of flexion, you know, capabilities that they've regained. But at the same time, then, um, you know, that this, this is just something that they're noticing. And, it, and again, it differs by person. So really what we're doing is we're able to really create a nice holistic view of what that person is in the dashboard and you know show them where their strengths and their weaknesses lie because I think that not only incentivizes things but it gives them that that kind of that inspiration to say wow I'm actually seeing a difference I'm you know I'm I'm my family's seeing this difference you know it's it can be a lonely experience so if you can share your recovery with someone you care about and really you know you emotionally and physically invest into something like this because you feel that you're, you're you're watching yourself progress it might not be right away but if if this software is showing me wow i've improved here and here you know my accuracy is improved my you know my timing is improved you know uh you know these are these are some things that you know give give hope um because i think that you know your the whole goal is that we want to create that sense of independence um, and through, you know, a lot of these traumatic events, you really, you really take away some of their independence, right? So, I mean, not you, but I'm saying that the trauma, traumatic event often does remove some independence from a person and, and that can be discouraging. So really what we're trying to do is just inspire, we're trying to motivate, and we're trying to connect to people, most importantly, to things like VR. And um, yeah, so that's, that's basically how we're trying to help a physiotherapist and and really just complement what they're doing so that we can get them better faster. Definitely. And you've made some great points uh, for the application of uh, VR and physiotherapy because our ultimate goal is for the patient to regain functionality and uh, get them to as independent as possible in order for them to achieve the goals that they have in their life and get them back onto their activities of daily living. Um, in terms of uh, the continued application of virtual reality, specifically in the physiotherapy clinic now, from a business standpoint of view, can you tell us about how clinic owners can implement virtual reality in their practice and uh, their business? Yeah, so, so this has been a bit of a challenge. So the Canadian healthcare is a quite, of a, a quite a challenging uh, beast to work with, but it's, you know, it's, it's fun. I love it. Um, you know, we're having a great time, um, but it, there are some hurdles. So how a person would implement this? Well, first off, 
uh, we're working towards our class two medical device uh, status. So this will kind of legitimize it so that it, it it's no longer just a game, but rather something that can augment, uh, you know, a clinician's uh, practices. And, you know, just like, you know, everybody's got different tools in their toolkits. Uh, this will be a more comprehensive tool, like a multi-purpose tool in their toolkit, for example. So this is the analogy I like to give. And the way that they could implement it is, I guess, differs by place. So to give you an example of who we've spoken with. So we've spoken with some local hospitals here. And uh, we've spoken with, uh, you know, the OTs, the PTs, the nurses, and even some of the PSWs, just to kind of see really all the points of contact um, and what are the pain points, what are the issues, and more importantly, what, what works? Uh, what do they like? And, you know, we don't, the last thing we want to do is throw something at, you know, like a healthcare facility and say like, you need us now, <laughs> but rather just say, is this grounded in an actual legitimate need? And so far it has been so, which is good. And so the way we've been working towards implementing it is, well, step one, we're still working through our clinical trials. So we're, we're, we're getting our clinical trials and our research um, still flushed out. So it's a little bit early um, in that regard. But the way that we'd like to implement it ideally through, you know, the clinician's um, you know, feedback has been something along the lines of um, having, it, having it as a device that they would take home for some. And for others, it would be something that they could, um, you know, some, for someone with a little bit more structure or a little bit more, uh, maybe they might be at more risk for falls, or they just need more support in general, then we would coach them through. And by we, I mean, you know, this is people who have gotten OcuTherapy, they've got the device already preloaded, built into the to the hardware, they've got it in their, in their clinic, and now they're going to be implementing it in the way that works for them. So it's, it's really, um, it's not a one size fits all approach because we know that if a person has some sort of, you know, hemiparesis or some sort of pronounced, uh, you know, weakness of the body, then we can't argue, we can't arguably just say, okay, use this, you know, task, you know, do this game, um, because they can't, and they really don't get much out of it if they if we force them to do it, right? So we really try to assess to see whether or not this can be done in a one-handed or a two-handed way. Um, do they have vision that would allow them to, um, you know, to to to, to see this three D uh, environment to to process three D, um, and then most importantly, can they handle the the three D experience because um, although it is something that mimics real world, it's still not real world, right? And so when you put on this headset, if there's even a slight lag in, in performance in, um, in, the, in the way that the screen is being displayed, it can induce, it can induce like, uh, well, it can induce anxiety for one, and most importantly, it can induce nausea. So we don't want to do that. So we're looking at the dose effects right now that, that we can reliably offer someone and get the maximum amount of feedback. But it, it to, to kind of make a long story short in terms of the implementation, it's really up to the place. So we work individually with each, each facility. 
and if it's a private smaller clinic then we will work on ways to embed this into their uh, you know their services um, but ideally because of the nature of it 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 being more comprehensive at assessing and making sense of the person through you know our our, our, our types of um, our smarts like the smart capabilities in in ocutherapy um, it's really kind of they fit it in where they see there are gaps so this is an ongoing discussion to, to, to answer your question uh, quite uh, bluntly um, because there is no real exact place and time for it it's just a matter of depends on the the size and the the traffic that person is 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 is, is having with with these patients coming through um, we want to be able to make it work for them so if it's a large-scale hospital they say well we see you know this many hundreds of people in a month and then if it's a smaller clinic it could be something more you know smaller than that um, so really we just talk to each person and get a feel for what is it that when do they need something like this if they need something like this and more importantly how can we make it simple for them so that it's not a a burden but rather just you know makes the physiotherapist life easier and you know hopefully like the, I, the goal is to get them more clients help allow them to see more people in a seamless way and obviously you know the bottom line is just to save them money so th these are these are our goals right now that we're working towards uh, but again it's it's an ongoing discussion Alex I know you mentioned that you're still in the process of implementing your kind of technology in the community and you just mentioned that you're still um, doing these clinical trials but could you elaborate more on what the business model in clinics are to support patients who require virtual reality in rehab yeah so the way our business model is structured right now is that it's it's essentially um, priced per clinic per you know user so we have a certain amount because patient information can be very unwieldy, uh, especially if you're trying to develop a, a comprehensive understanding of that person. So all that information is needs to be managed, needs to be managed and retrieved in a very clear and concise way. And most importantly, there's a lot of stuff going on under hood under the hood. So there's a lot of predictive stuff. So um so the business model right now is set up, as I mentioned, it's, you know, it's, it's based on the, the, the amount of use that a person will need. Um, and also the amount of services. So maybe some people might not want something more comprehensive. Maybe they might want something that is just, you know, experiential. Um, this is something that we can make adjustments to. So it depends on the person and what their needs are. But ideally, the goal is to, you know, to make everyone's life easier, both on the patient end and on the clinician end. Because I think if we can, if we can make everyone's lives easier, I think everyone's happier just <laughs> as a result. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. But so to, to, to kind of go back to the business model. So that's basically been our structured approach right now and we're working with ways on how to like through the classification as a class two medical device we're working on ways to see whether or not this can be uh, subsidized in some capacity by insurance providers or how to really you know 
work with that. And because it is still a bit early, like the finances have like the, 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 the dollar amounts haven't really been flushed out yet. But from what we've spoken to with different hospitals, they, they seem to like that approach, you know, because you can't, you can't reasonably charge or, you know, serve everyone the same if you're dealing with a clinic that only sit, takes in, let's say, 10 patients a month versus a hospital that needs, you know, thousands of patients. Um, so that's basically been our, our tiered approach to uh, structuring these uh, pricing plans. But it is B2B. Uh, so to, to kind of get at the core of this business model, it's, it's a business to business uh, model. Um, so we're working basically not with the end user, but we're working with the clinicians and the, the people who oversee those clinicians uh, in a way to offer this as a service that is available to them. And we're basically now that the uh, VR headsets are coming forward with standalone headsets, which means that they're no longer needed to have, they no longer require, um, you know, these uh, cords and cables and sensors and and you know we're because VR is becoming much more ubiquitous and much more prevalent in the world um, you know they're simplifying it much like the cell phones you know when you think cell phones before you think um, you know with the you know the original phones have the cord and then they cut out the cord and they were just big chunky things with big antennas cut out the antenna made them smaller 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 and here we are with the iPhone 10 <laughs> yeah so basically that's that's kind of what's what we're anticipating right now so what we're anticipating is that these standalone headsets will have the therapy system bundled right in and you sell it as a unit and rather than say, oh, you need to go out and get this and get that, and get this hardware and that hardware. No, 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 no. Remember, we're trying to keep it simple and keep it seamless. Um, the more barriers you introduce, the less likely a person is to not only connect with, with your service, but, but to even continue using it. So, you know, keeping it simple. So that's, so yeah, so hopefully I answered the question. I know it's a... Um, little convoluted but um yes that's pretty much it so we're b2b um we're working with a tiered pricing model um we're working based on clinicians based on services based on patients that are that are being uh, that require these services yeah like so you were very clear about the fact that your business model is business to business and um if we target um, physiotherapy clinics or rehab centers, there has to be a way that this technology travels to the patients and make sure that um, the patients are able to afford these uh, new technologies to benefit their rehab. So we were wondering if um, you've looked into this matter of whether insurance benefits can be used for this uh, virtual reality and be applied to rehabilitation. Absolutely. And, you know, this is one of the most important things, right? So obviously among physical barriers and hardware barriers comes financial barriers. So we want to overcome these barriers by the goal is to have it, you know, uh, you know, we would like to have it subsidized in some capacity and ideally all of it. Um, but again, this is an ongoing discussion uh, with um you know, the government of Canada and different representatives through that, uh, different insurance agencies, and, and just trying to see how this would best work. Um, you know, um, like, we, we, like uh, I don't really have too much information at the time, um, 
but yeah, we're really just trying to get this, get this subsidized so that a person who is experiencing these financial issues, we don't have to say, well, guess what? Now we're offering this really amazing, you know, super duper device, but it's going to come at this cost. Oh, you can't afford it. Oh, I'm sorry. Then it looks like you're uh, out of luck. Go ahead and use the stress ball over there. Uh, you know, we, we don't like, we don't want to put people in this place. That's not who I am. That's not, that's not what I've grown up with. That's not the way that I've lived having, you know, to deal with the burdens of this type of stuff on myself, you know, like, you know, I, like, like I said, seeing it as, as a clinical researcher, seeing it as, you know, as a, you know, as a, as a person, as a, as a family member who's going through this, the last thing you need to hear is another letdown and especially if it's just out of reach right so we don't want we would never want to do that so it it is something that i'm fighting for it's something that i'm working towards and no matter what it will be something that i will have implemented within ocutherapy because people need options and people need alternatives everybody you know we've been living for so long with you know with the same type of approach to different things you know with um like if you think about, uh, I'm trying to, then things escape me. But if you think about it, like, you know, if you go to certain clinics and certain clinics, sometimes they do the, uh, you know, the ultrasound. Sometimes they do, uh, they'll just do like um, manual types of, you know, massages and relaxation types of techniques. Sometimes you'll have the electrical sources that they could put on as with apply little sensors and then, you know, stimulate artificially the the muscles and exercise those areas. But ultimately these are options and people want options. People want alternatives. So we want to provide them with an alternative that is, um, you know, that, that makes sense. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, that definitely uh, makes sense. So as a follow-up question, if you were the creator of an ideal financial system for the patients, how would you propose that we fund um, VR in rehab from the patient's point of view? Oh boy, that's a good question. Um, so how would how would a physiotherapist fund? Uh, so so just to clarify, so the question is how would a physiotherapist fund, or how would a patient fund the VR in physio? Yeah, in an ideal world from the patient point of view, because ultimately we want them to have access to the technology. And yeah. you said you are working on some implementations and alternatives for them. Yeah. If you had the ideal scenario, what would you do? Well, to be completely honest, um, I would love to see this as something like, well, l let, me put, let me put it to you this way. So when you think of VR, Everybody thinks that if you, if I were to go out in a room and just ask and just do a word naming exercise and I said, name the first thing that comes to mind. If I say VR, they'll say game, 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 interaction. They'll say things along like those lines. But if you think about it, the whole semantic concept that surrounds virtual reality is a game. But yet there's so much research out there right now, whether it be through something as simple as training people with phobias and exposing them to exercises, virtual reality educational simulations, um, and now something all the way towards what we're doing with medical. These are therapeutic and clinical uses. So why not, why isn't 
virtual reality seen as medical device? Why can't it be seen as a medical device? You go to, uh, you know, the hospital, a crutch or a, you know, a cast, like a, a air cast. These are, you know, tools. These are medical tools, but they're covered. So similarly, uh, the idea is that in an ideal world, I'd love to have something like a virtual assessment and bill it just the same through your billing code codes and have it billed to the government and say, you know what? This is legitimate because if you think about it, what we're offering is the same, if not a little bit more comprehensive than your standard assessments. Now, what differs is that one is mediated by technology and one is just the person and another person. So in an ideal world, I'd love to have, you know, the concept of VR being something that you could bill to like OHIP, you could bill to an insurance agency, um, you know, and then you could just have it fully covered because it is serving the same purposes, it's addressing the same needs, and it's getting at the same issues. Um, so, you know, this is what, this is my ideal. And I've got, of course, you know, I, I usually, uh, you know, the more, the more, you know, me, the more you realize that I kind of have some sort of uh, crazy ideas, but it's these crazy ideas that you need to have to, to be able to <laughs> go against, yeah. the, to go against the grain, to go against what's out there because we're so forced to understand the world as a set of rules and procedures that are already there. You go to a mm -hmm. lecture, study chapters one to three. St this is your test. Your test is on chapters one to three. That is a clearly defined sets of rules and procedures. Now imagine if that test said, just study everything you can and do the test. Now that's what it's like to be with a startup. That's what it's like to, to deal with a startup company and have to think in ways that are unconventional, think in ways that seem crazy. Because if they seem crazy, generally, they often are crazy, one. And two, it's because, you know, <laughs> we're, we're so, uh, you know, we, we need to start embracing this out-of-the-box thinking. And I think virtual reality is just that. Virtual reality is this crazy out-of-the-box thinking that has potential, has therapeutic merit, and it, it can offer functional assessments that you would not ever otherwise be able to do as a clinician. You can't take a person and say, okay, let's, let's assess this person's gait and have them walk if they're, you know, tripping. Instead, you can simulate this in VR. You can have an, a, you know, a platform that moves like a treadmill underneath them or, you know, monitor, you know, their balance. Uh, you could tap into, you know, these things. Um, and not to say that, you know, clinicians and like, physiotherapists can't do it otherwise, but there are sometimes some features that make overlooked, you know, people are tired, it, you know, imagine you've worked a full day, you might overlook something this way, everything is clear, concise. Uh, but anyways, to make a long story short, and I'm sorry for my rambling, it's <laughs> in an ideal world, virtual reality will be something that is billable to OHIP and functions the exact same as any other assessment tool. Yeah, Alex, I think you made some really interesting strategies as to how to implement this technology into our healthcare. And I really do agree with you that in terms of just healthcare overall, that you know we have a tendency to be resistant to change. And sometimes it is that out of the box thinking that is needed to help kind of move healthcare forward. 
especially with technology, it has a capability to transform the way we deliver care. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as a personal aside, there is an event, uh, I think two weeks ago, where a neurological clinic, shout out to Propel Physio, they were implementing a kind of robotic leg mm-hmm. into their neurological population, helping patients with gait deficits to really kind of recover from that aspect. And I think that's such an important aspect that needs to help drive healthcare forward. But that being said, what are some other ways that you could think that a clinic can market this technology to attract clients that can benefit from this type of rehab? Oh, oh, for sure. So um, like the way that, a, that people can market this stuff for one is that it doesn't feel like therapy. So when we're working with people, um, so we've done a lot of market research. Like we've reached out to, uh, we are over 200 now. And so this was a function of, of talking to, um, um, this was a function of talking to patients both in, uh, in, uh, across North America, so Canada and the U.S., understanding what are their needs, what do they like, what do they not like, um, are they familiar with VR? Are they, do they know what it is? Um, do they want alternatives? Like, you know, just seeing what's going on. And I know this can be influenced by, you know, like insight and a whole bunch of other different cognitive issues, but nonetheless, we wanted to, we wanted to get a snapshot of a, of a person's knee jerk or decision to what, what's going on right now in this, in this, in this uh, community. So what we found was that, People just don't buy into it. People don't buy into traditional therapy for whatever reason. And I hate to say that Um, for some reason, I don't know whether it's a function of insight, whether or not it's just a function of, you know, just realizing that, you know what, I've got a second chance at life. Um, I'm alive. I think that's good. And I don't really need anything right now. So I'm just going to go about my life. Thank you. Um, so drop off, <laughs> patient drop off. It's so true. We laugh, but it's so true. I've worked with so many patients over the years and I've seen them. And, you know, just when I was a rehab therapist and just working in different labs and you see people that come through and they think, oh, yeah, I'm alive. I'm great. Okay. My arm's a little weak. That's fine. I'll use my right arm to pick up my left arm and then I'll just go about my life. So people are adaptable. And which is amazing, you know, I love to see the resilience, but it's, but the way that people can market this is to show that, hey, listen, we know that people, you know, through our market research, we've learned that there's a lot of people who just don't like, you know, traditional therapy, it feels, you know, it's, it's, it's raw, it's gritty, it's gets the job done, but it's, it's not always the most fun. And it's tough, you know, as clinicians, you know, as, as, as you guys, you know, as uh, up and coming, you know, physiotherapists, community of physiotherapists, you, you, you see kind of the practices that are done, you know, the best practices. And yes, although the assessment for it might not be the most interesting, it's, it's, it's recognized as, you know, the best practice. It's a convention. And so I think to market this is, is you have to think, what does the person want? And what they want is change for one and feedback. A lot of people don't understand where they're going, why I'm doing this, what are the benefits of doing this. So if you're having someone do some sort of flexion exercise, flexion and extension exercise, just I'm just running off the top of my head. 
and just simple, just range of motion tasks. You're looking at their range of motion. They are going to, you know, you know, you're going to get a lot of, why am I doing this? How long are we going to do this for? They are not focusing on the task itself. So to market this technology is you have to frame it in a way that makes the person understand its benefits and make a person understand uh, you want to basically turn the physiotherapy, you know, kind of approach and turn it towards the person because it's, it's usually, although you're working with the person, the information is something that's only kept on the physio side, right? If you think about it for the most, for the most part, like when you're writing up your notes, you're doing this, you're, you know, you're going through your you know, progress notes and all these different things. And you're just, you know, trying to capture the session with the person. Now imagine if there was a way to debrief that with each person. And I'll, I know there are some people who are a lot more candid and open, but for the most part, people don't really have the time, unfortunately, to share with them, uh, you know, what's going on, what are the next steps, what are we doing, why we're doing this, what you can expect to see from all of this. So giving them that light at the end of the tunnel is something that virtual reality can offer. So, so to, 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 to kind of really, you know, to, to, to in broad strokes, the way a clinic can market this technology to attract uh, clients and would be, you know, the fact that it's, it feels like a game, but it's not. So if it feels like a game and looks like a game, that's okay because that is something that resonates with people. People are inherently, seeking fun people seek pleasure so if we can tap into those basic human needs then that's awesome that's amazing you know it's just like the same reason why people go and play soccer and play football you know they don't say oh i'm going to go do this sport because i have to or you know i'm just going to do it although there are are very clear risks involved you don't think that way you think that it's a game it's fun so this is what you want to show them you want to show them that it's a game it's fun but there's also a lot of science to back it up that there's under the hood, that there's a lot of, you know, core ways that we can understand this person. So make it feel like a game, um, show them that it's uh, accessible. So accessibility. Um, so working with the limitations that a person has. Um, and I know this is something that's always done in a clinic, you know, whether or not you support them, physically uh, or you know have some sort of brace or crutch or some something that will offer support and stability um, this is just you know offering accessibility in the game and um, portability so if this is like the goal is to have this as something that can be taken home um, like in the, in the in the long run it'd be nice to have this as as an ongoing lifestyle device that a person could use and to show them that it's portable. Uh, people want convenience. Like it's the same reason why laptops are one of the most bought sources of computers, types of computers. And the PC, I just read recently that the PC is dying, uh, that there's nobody's are, nobody's buying PCs anymore. Um, you know, our phones and our laptops, people want portability. So if we can bring therapy to them, um, you know, obviously we know that there's only one or a fixed amount of physiotherapists serving X amount of clients. So we can't have everybody go to each person's house every day. 
it's in an ideal world that'd be fantastic but unfortunately everybody's got a life everybody's got things they got to do so we, we got to be respectful of that so the portability um, yeah so really just make it about the person so those are just two of the things that, that, that are coming to mind um, but yeah to attract a person to attract clients um, really just make the product about them and I think you'd be surprised to see how much uh, how much you'll stand out because you know physiotherapists you know people people generally go for physiotherapy uh, you know uh, clinics based on like reviews based on recommendations based on proximity but if you think about it those are all things that are hinging on convenience and 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 accessibility right if they're close by it's accessible if they're um, if the reviews are there, that's good. That, that gives me, and that gives me validation. That gives me, um, confidence to know that this person is reliable. So I think that this could really enhance, um, a clinic and, and, uh, you know, offer alternatives. People want alternatives, as I mentioned. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned the great, um, point about the fact that you have to think about the end goal of, uh, the virtual reality and about the end person that we're going to market to. And that's definitely a smart way to approach it. So now we've uh, approaching the end of our podcast and we usually ask our guests about an influential book that uh, changed their lifestyle or their business acumen. So what yeah. would be your recommendation for one book for our listeners that really made a difference in your life? For sure. So I, love reading i love doing that stuff as much as i can to just really connect with what's out there what's being said and how can i improve as a person and improve as a you know as as i guess an entrepreneur now um so i actually have two books i'd love to suggest so the first is the happiness track by emma sapala so emma sapala and um and basically that book is fantastic about because it really taps into the idea that if you can stay happy and you can do things that you love, then the work doesn't feel like work, which is such a simple phenomenon. You know, we, we always tell each other that, or you hear it, it's cliche, you know, like do things you love and you don't have to work a day in your life, things like that. Right. And it's so cliche, but it's, it, there is so much truth to it. And I think that even with the people that I work with, people that uh, you know are you know people that I manage on my team, I always try to find the root of what makes them happy. And if I can do that, then framing the business in a way that makes people happy, that all share the same kind of goal, is so awesome because then you can kind of make these huge strides. And really, that's been my guiding tool for where I am and all the things that I've accomplished with OcuTherapy is just really maintain what it is to be happy and how to work around those goals of, of happiness. So there's, that's one. The second one is more on the business side and this is called Scaling Lean. Scaling Lean by Ash Mar Maria. It's M-A-U-R-Y-A, -A, last name. And this guy is absolutely fantastic. He has a several series of books, but for me, Scaling Lean was good because this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand how to, how do you make a business scalable? You know, so yes, you've got virtual reality. Yes, you've got an idea. 
yes, it's got some support. You know, look at I, like I said, case in point, the PT, you know, the, the PT podcast, right? So, um, so there's some great yep. support for it. But now, how do you scale it? How do you take it one step further? And this applies to any business, me, you, anybody, anybody out there, even even if you don't have a business, how do you how do you turn something into a scalable business? So it is absolutely fantastic. It looks at ways that how do you structure meetings? How do you um, how do you engage with people? How to reframe your business? How to use feedback as a tool for good? Um, and really just gathering that user experience and turning that into, you know, an actual good product that is rooted in a in actual uh, needs that people have, not just because I've worked with so many different startups, and you know, obviously I won't name names, but there's a lot of companies that are out there that create things because they're they're PhDs, they create things because they're doctors, they create things because they're lawyers, and yes, although these are very prestigious and well-renowned um, positions, unfortunately, that does not always mean it's a good business. Okay, so they can be rooted in actual best practices. They can be rooted in, in you know, an experience of the person. But until you talk to your potential customers, you will never have something that will, you know, that will just explode. So be contact customers as much as possible. Uh, reach out to the community and support yourself with you know, positivity. And these are the things, these are the principles that are, that you learn in scaling lean. Yeah. Alex, you made some great book recommendations. I'll definitely have to check these books out. Um, but just to wrap up this podcast, um, we've learned so much valuable information from you, not just on technology, but on virtual reality as well. But just for our listeners, where can we find you on social media and how can clinics owners or clinicians get in touch with you if they're interested in trying virtual reality in their clinics. Yeah, for sure. So I'd love to chat with anyone, whether it be in any capacity and just, you know, just grabbing a coffee, sharing a little bit more about OcuTherapy, all the way until people who want to see a demo of OcuTherapy. So if people want to get in touch with me, literally you just type in OcuTherapy. So we're on Twitter. So it's at OcuTherapy. LinkedIn It's just OcuTherapy. Um, Instagram, Facebook, so anything you can think of, well, the main ones at least, <laughs> the four main ones, uh, it's just OcuTherapy, or you just go on Google and we're the first four searches anyways. Um, and if you want to get in touch, you can go to our website, which is www.ocutherapy.com, of course. And you go there, and just below, you can click the link to get in touch, and you can set up a meeting with us, and uh, we'd be more than happy to to chat and uh, learn more. I'm always excited to, to really connect with, you know, the physiotherapists and the community abroad to learn what, what's going on out there and just get their perspectives. You know, the, the field is changing the world, you know, the world and technology is always changing. So uh, I think we all should, you know, connect in some capacity to, to really make sense of all of that and to, uh, to, to grow, you know, both as uh, individuals and uh, as businesses. So, yeah, for sure. And uh, Alex, we enjoyed this podcast and some of the valuable information you have in regards to virtual reality. And uh, thank you so much for being able to relate it to um, physiotherapists as well to be relevant to our podcast. And I'm sure that our listeners found a lot of benefits 
after listening to this podcast. So thank you so much and we really appreciate it. Thanks. And guys, uh, really. have a great day. Uh, thank you thank so much. You too, guys. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.